ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello friends and welcome back to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. And today, Mama J is going to take the reins and tell you all about something spooky. All right, but first I want to know, Alana, what's your what the ale moment of the day? Ooh, of the day. Of the day, of the week. Um, I think my what the ale moment is um, Spirit Airlines in general <laughs> as a business practice. Um, in my uh, day job, when I'm not talking about spooky things, um, I was sent to a conference and Spirit Airlines just like did me dirty. There was this really angry woman at LAX that like made me sad. Anyway, it's fine. Um, I just don't get why it's $100 for a carry-on on a plane. So that's my what, what the L moment. What the That sucks. Yeah. What about you, Mom? What's yours? I think my what the L moment is why are you serving me a cocktail when we're recording a what the L pod? <laughs> you know what, Mom? I think it is a little in theme. I have concocted what I call a bloody French 75. So oh. instead of a, you know, lemon sort of moment, I did pomegranate juice because we just happened to have some. Well, and we all need antioxidants, so. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I guess I'll drink my cocktail and be grateful for it. Yeah. All right, guys. So today, um, I wanted to tell you about a spooky place uh, that we have actually traveled to. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so I am talking about the Stanley Hotel. Oh! <laughs> I love the Stanley Hotel. Um, I don't want to steal your thunder. But I love it. I spent my 23rd birthday there. Yes. So I was going to leave some time at the end to talk about your birthday explorations. Oh, amazing. Um, but for those of you who don't know, um, the Stanley Hotel is in Estes Valley, um, Colorado. So it's right outside of the Rocky Mountain uh, National Park. Um, and it was really um, discovered uh, around 1872 when Earl of Dunraven visited um, and he thought it was a sportsman's paradise so he really wanted to um, make it like his own um, keep it as like a private hunting reserve and make it his own space mm -hmm. uh, but as more and more people um, heard of its beauty more and more settlers were drawn to the location um, and one of those people that heard of it and was drawn to it was Freeland Oscar Stanley um, he was an inventor, um, and he one of his uh, most famous inventions was the Stanley Design Steam Cars. Oh, um, like Stanley Steamer, <laughs> keep your carpet clean, yeah. those guys. You know, it, it, that could be them too, but yeah, they were known for the steam cars, so that would make sense maybe too. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he he was um, struggling with symptoms of, of consumption. He was like very weak and underweight, mm. um, and so he was hoping that... Um, you know, going somewhere that had really fresh air and, you know, just yeah. a rustic environment. He was hoping that would help with his symptoms. Well, that was a standard treatment yeah. back then. Like, they were like, oh, just go to the mountains. Like, Yeah, and he was coming from New York, and he was part of, like, um, you know, New York's, like, society, you know, East Coast society. Like, Oh, like, old money. Yeah, old money. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so this was a very different vibe for him, but he came and um, and he fell in love with it. And, you know, he was amazed that after just one season, um, 
he was like restored to health and feeling better than he had ever felt. Oh wow! Um, so because of that, and his wife uh, Flora also just loved her time there. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, they decided that they wanted to, um, you know, come back every year, you know, for health reasons. But they also decided that they wanted to create. Um, you know, a getaway for their East Coast Society friends and create a community there. Ah. So what they did was they decided to build the Stanley Hotel. Oh, um, and they wanted it to be posh and full of all the um, like comforts of East Coast Society. So it had things like electric, electric lights and telephones and in-suite bathrooms. Wow. Um, they had, uh, you know, uh, cars um, that, that were at their disposal of their guests to use. Um, and they also had um, uniformed servants, um, you know, so it definitely had high society feel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stanley Hotel, uh, it ended up being a 140-room uh, colonial revival hotel. Um, it has 11 different structures. So there's, like, the main hotel that has the 140 rooms. Um, and then it has a concert hall because um, Flora, Stanley's wife, uh, was a, like, pianist, and she just loved to play. Um, so he built that as a gift for her, a <laughs> concert hall. Wow. Um, which, by the way, um, it's not in my notes, but above the con- or um, below the concert hall, he built a bowling alley for him and his friends. And so, <laughs> you know, she, oftentimes she would be playing while like they were... Like his man game. Yeah, they were, like, bowling <laughs> down below. Um, and that. so she would, like, try to play louder than their bowling pins. Um, so, yeah, so it had the concert hall, um, a carriage house, a manager's cottage, mm-hmm. a gatehouse, and then a lodge that's, like, a smaller bed and breakfast type place. Okay. Um, and that was originally called the Stanley Manor. Now it's called the Lodge. Um, and so that's all of the beauty of the hotel. We love the beauty. Yes. Now, <laughs> should we get into the spooky stuff? Yes. Okay. So there are four main parts of the hotel that are considered haunted. Um, the first one, they call it the Vortex. And do you remember what the Vortex is? What part of the hotel? Well, wasn't that the fourth floor? No, we're getting there. Okay, the okay. Vortex was the um, the main staircase. Yes. Yeah, so the main <laughs> staircase, um, they call it the Vortex because some um, people believe that it's like a paranormal portal. So they believe like you know, spirits um, can come through that area. Mm-hmm. Um, lost spirits tend to hang out. Oh, wow. um, and so there's a lot of just like, you know, footsteps or sightings of different ghosts or, you know, voices or laughter that happens on the stairway. So what I'm hearing is we need to do a photo shoot. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, but that caught the attention of a lot of psych- uh, psychic mediums. So they would come and, um, and just many of them said that they could feel that spiritual energy in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, the second place that's also known to be haunted is the concert hall. Um, and so obviously after Flora's passing, um, you know, and they would do concerts and things like that, but there were some strange, um, late night occurrences of people hearing piano when there's nobody there. Um, Mm. and you know, oftentimes like people would be in the bowling alley and they would hear music. So they would come up and there would just be nobody there playing the piano. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, that's... uh, known as like a haunted space just because of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Alana, as you mentioned, <laughs> the fourth floor, um, it is actually one of the areas that has um, the most paranormal activity um, in terms of like lots of different things. Yeah. Um, and so um, 
one of the things that people hear and see a lot is they hear laughter and running and voices of children. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is that in the early days of the hotel, the fourth floor, um, you know, uh, well, for a while it was used as like an enormous attic for um, storage during winter months. But mm -hmm. then um, later they used it as in-house in lodging for female employees and their children. Oh. So the whole fourth floor was, you know, families. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so a number of guests report that they hear the children running the halls, laughing, playing late night hours. Um, in the rooms, there's, um, oh, the, the doors in the rooms sometimes open and close mm -hmm. on their own. Um, there's things like toys or clothing that goes missing, but it'll like appear later. Sometimes there's clothing that ends up being neatly folded and put away in a drawer. Um, so maybe some of those old housekeepers are there taking care of stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. Can we have that ghost I here? Say, I would love a ghost. Can we have a ghost laundry? that Marie Kondo's our yes. house? Yes, <laughs> because if somebody came and put away my laundry and, and, you know, actually washing the dishes is the bigger headache for me. So if we can have somebody that came here and loved to wash dishes, I would be all about that ghost. Yeah. Um, Just and decluttering then, in general. Jeez. Yeah. So, so some of the ghosts are very friendly. Um, nobody feels um, creeped out by those ghosts. It's just things that they observe, but yeah. nobody's, like, afraid of those ghosts. Um, on the fourth floor, uh, room t uh, 428 seems to be the most active. Um, okay. So a lot of people say that, like, furniture gets rearranged, um, you know, as people are sleeping. So they'll wake up and things will be rearranged. Um, there's a lot of heavy fo footsteps. Like chairs will move? Yeah. Yeah, so they'll wake up and the room will be different. I don't yeah. like that at all. I don't all. like that either. <laughs> that would freak me out. Um, and then this this room is known for um, probably the most troublesome ghost in the Stanley Hotel, um, and he's known as the Lone Cowboy. I've heard of him. Yes. Okay. Um, and so he's problematic for lots of reasons, but um, you know people will often wake up and he'll be standing at the foot of their bed. Um, he. Um, is somebody that's very fond of the ladies and they describe him as a ladies man but you know i hate that description because to me he seems like a you know perpetrator <laughs> you know like a um, like a creeper yeah he's a creeper so um he gravitates towards women they'll often feel cult spaces when he's around mm. um and then they will feel ghostly kisses in the middle of the night oh i hate that i hate that too like oh yeah so um they don't know who um they don't know for sure who the cowboy is but they're um, some of the locals believe he's the spirit of a man named J James Nugent. Okay. And he um, was also known as Rocky Mountain Jim. So he was just a local mountain man. Um, and he um, was responsible for a lot of the founding of the town. Oh. Um, but he didn't actually, like, live in the Stanley Hotel or anything, but they just think his spirit was there. Probably he liked all the tourists coming through or, you know, whatever. So his energy liked seeing all the pretty girls come through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the most problematic of the ghosts. Well, I like that there's not any sort of, you know, exchange of persons or anything that's yeah. like not cool. Like, I mean, as not that we should make a hierarchy of things, obviously, yeah. but I'm glad he's at least their kisses and not other things. I yeah. Guess. Now, the most famous room in the Stanley Hotel is room 217. Woo! <laughs> we will get into that more later, why that's significant. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about the history of the room. 
Um, so there was a head housekeeper, and her name was Elizabeth Wilson. Mm. Um, and one night she was making her rounds, um, lighting the um, lanterns throughout the hotel, mm-hmm. um, just in case of a power outage, because there was a big snowstorm coming through. Mm. And um, what she didn't know was that there was a leak on the second floor, so the entire wing had been filling with flammable gas. Oh my gosh. Um, so when she entered room 217, she lit the match uh, beneath the lamp and there was an explosion. And it totally um, destroyed the room and it wow. took out the floor beneath her. So she fell two stories into the dining room. Wow. Um, luckily, she didn't die um, and nobody was killed during this incident. Um, but she did like break her ankles mm-hmm. and, um, you know, obviously had a lot of uh, damage from the, the like explosion itself. So, like, burn, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so she she actually didn't pass away until she was ninety years old in Good her home. For her, yeah. So, um, but people believe that she's still uh, clinging to that room because of the trauma that she experienced in the room. But again, she's not really a problematic ghost. Like she yeah. will put things away and organize right. your stuff. Um, so what, even though that's one of the most famous rooms, was she the one where they said like she? came to work but like she didn't come to work wasn't that a yeah. story when yeah. we were there yeah so like yeah so there was like the she would still come to work even though she wasn't really there and people would see well, her but people didn't know she had passed away for yeah. a couple days because yeah, people... she had been making her rounds yeah so she was walking and doing her normal duties so when people before the people who worked there knew that she had passed away they were like you know she was 90 years old she was they were like what are you you know what are you doing here but she was just doing her normal duties yeah, yeah. and then they realized later she had passed away okay um and then you know, but so other than the um, other than the she tidies up the room and things like that. Mm-hmm. The one thing that she does that bothers some people <laughs> is that when there are unwed couples oh, <laughs> staying in the hotel, goodness. this girl does not approve of that. Um, so she will often, um, you know, like uh, they feel like a cold cold space in between them, like getting in the way of them, so they can't sleep together. Wow. Um, or that they they just feel like she's watching over them to make sure there's no, you know, funny business and, you know, unwed relationships. Um, yes. So there is a little bit of old school in her and a little of uh, watching out mommy, you know, vibes, <laughs> mama bear vibes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I understand, lady, but as long as everyone's consenting, we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, the the misconception about the Stanley Hotel is a lot of people assume that there were murders there or some kind of, um, like, tragic deaths. Uh Um, And there actually was nothing violent um, other than the explosion, which nobody died in. Um, And, you know, but they think that there's a lot of activity there just because of the number of people that were struggling with tuberculosis and things like that. So people did die there. Right. um, But nothing was a violent death or anything that was, like, really traumatic or scary. Um, but there was death, and so. Okay. Uh, but I yeah. feel like any cruise ship, any hotel yeah. that's older than a hundred years, like they're gonna have deaths. Yeah. They're gonna have. So I do think it's funny, like even when people are like, "Oh my gosh, like what if someone died in my house?" I'm like, "Someone has died in probably every single place you have slept, my friend." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's that's just probably true. You know, so that I mean. I think the misconception, which I'm sure you're going to get into later, makes sense based on the story that everyone knows from the Stanley. Yes. But. So, moving on to that area of the story. Um, around the 1970s, the hotel started um, kind of like, you know, uh, falling into disrepair. Um, there just wasn't as, as much um, 
investment in the property. There mm -hmm. wasn't as many visitors coming and all that stuff. Um, so they were planning to tear it down. Oh, wow. Um, so the reason why the Stanley Hotel was not torn down was because <laughs> of a stay by a very famous writer. Um, so this writer came to the hotel Mm -hmm. on the night that the hotel was going to be closing for the winter. Oh, okay. Um, and so, but he and his wife, you know, asked if they could stay, and they said, well, yeah, you can stay, but all the guests have checked out, and the staff will be leaving, you know, after you check in, the staff will be leaving, so nobody will be back till the morning. Right. Um, and so, you know, but the writer was very tired from the road and was like, yeah, we'll take it, um, and he happened to sleep in room 217. Yeah. Um, now, this writer... Um, was awoken in the middle of the night um, by a dream, a nightmare. Um, and the nightmare was about a fire hose chasing his three-year-old son. Um, like a fire hose coming to life and chasing his three-year-old son. Like a snake? Um, like a snake, okay. yeah. And one, um, he also had said he had seen a little boy in the hallways earlier in the night, but there was no staff and nobody else in the hotel. So okay. he should not have seen anybody in the hotel. But he probably, um, like, wrote it off as, like, yeah. it's just, you know. Yeah, he kind of wrote that off, and then the next day they were like, yeah, nobody was in the hotel. Okay. Um, so, but he, he woke up from this nightmare. He was completely freaked out. He was sweating. He was, like, on the edge of the bed about to fall out. Oh, of course. Um, so what does a writer do with that? He lights up some cigarettes and sits down and starts drafting a novel. <laughs> I mean, me too. Yes. Um, and so that is how The Shining came to be. Um, so those of you who don't know, The Shining is a fabulous book written by one of my favorite spooky authors, Stephen King. One of mine as yes. well. I have been reading Stephen King since I was 12 years old, and my dad finally allowed me to read those books. Um, so The Shining is absolutely one of my favorites. So... Um, the Shining, um, it, you know, he wrote the story, um, and, you know, one of the main uh, spooky things in the story was the fire hose that turns into a snake. Um, yeah. And, you know... Um, and but, I want to say that is not in Kubrick's version. Yes, we're going to get there. <laughs> um, so, but anybody that's read the book knows there are many differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, so one of the things, though, that he wanted to stress, um, other than the snake, the firehose snake, was um, just the spooky vibe of being in a hotel where you feel isolated. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, can you imagine being in a hotel by yourself? Like, I feel like sometimes... 140-room colonial hotel. Yeah, like, I was an RA, and living in a dorm by myself yeah. for a month was yeah. so freaky. Yeah. Because, like, if, like this, the first time someone was in the bathroom... When I had been used to not having someone in the shared bathroom for yeah. a month, I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah. you no, know, totally. like, that would freak me out. Like, yeah. So, but that vibe of being like isolated and there's a storm and yeah. you're, you know, kind of feeling stuck there. Obviously, he wasn't actually stuck there. They left the next day. Um, right. But he just liked the vibe of feeling alone in this big, scary place. So, totally. Um, in his book, you know, this uh, couple uh, takes the job being the, the groundskeeper for the Overlook Hotel, is what he named it. Yeah. Um, but the inspiration for the hotel was totally the Stanley Hotel, the way it's described in the book. It's very much what Stanley Hotel is. Um, and so, um, so yeah, because that book came out and become, you know, it became such a big thing, yeah. um, they ended up getting the funding to renovate the hotel um, to the beauty that it is today. Yeah. Um, Are you going to touch on his special conversation in the hotel? Why don't you touch on that, Alana? 
Okay. Um, one of my favorite parts about the Stephen King story and part of why I love the Stanley in general is that, you know, he was fighting like alcoholism and a cocaine addiction and all of that. And so a lot of people can explain away the dream as like, it was like a drug induced sort of situation, but it, I mean, could have been, but the Stanley definitely has a vibe. Yeah. We've been there. It has a vibe. Yeah. Um, it's just old. There's a lot of history there. And so Stephen King woke up in the middle of the night and he went down to the bar and there was a bartender there. And the bartender's name was Lloyd Grady, which if you have read The Shining, you know Lloyd as the bartender and Mr. Grady as the former caretaker. Um, I'm not going to go much more into that unless you want to like read the book or watch the movie if you haven't already, but you should. Um, but, you know, they were having this conversation and he just was like... You know, he didn't really have any money at the time to pay for a drink because he was, like, he was a starving artist, basically. Like, he was working part-time at a university writing, but he hadn't made it big yet. And um, so Grady was like, well, listen, I'll tell you some stories about, or, no, what did he say? Grady was like, I'll give you drinks for free because I've already settled my tabs for the winter if you tell me a good story. And it was through that story that Stephen King basically drafted the entirety of The Shining on his own, which I think is so cool. And then, of course, Grady was like, oh, this ghost story and this ghost story and this ghost story. So then it, you know, devolved into this, like, amazing story we all know today. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's my love of (laughs) this story. Anyway. All right. So, um... I wanted to just talk a little bit, you know, for those of you that are into books and movies um, or (laughs) TV versions of the book that was read up. Or culture. Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of that. Um, So obviously most people, if you you are not a big reader, um, most people know Stephen King Shining from the movie, the Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, And... um, it's, you know, it's a movie that made many, many changes to the book. I mean, um, like, huge changes to the book, including that two, room 217 became 237. Well, that was intentional, um, though. Yes. Go ahead. That was intentional because most hotels have a 217. 237 is kind of a rarity in hotels. And so they chose a number that, you know, they basically the hotel, because of capitalism, was like, if we, like have it in this room we won't make money so we have to have it in this room and that's how it went <laughs> which i think they would have made money no matter what because they had jack nicholson and shelly duvall <laughs> i know and that room is what five hundred dollars a night at least yeah. <laughs> um but there were many many changes to the book like you know in the um in the movie like the the hedge maze that's not a part of the book um yeah. the the snake that started the inspiration was not in the movie um you know, Halloran doesn't die. Yeah, Halloran doesn't die. You know, um, the way that it ends is very different. Yeah. Um, so there are many, many differences. Um, and um, I don't know, those of you that have seen The Shining probably love it. Like, it's one of my... It is one of my favorite horror movies. Yeah. But you got to separate it from the book. Yeah, I was going to say. So if you read the book and then watch the movie, they're so different. So I do think you have to, like, do them separately to fully appreciate them because the book has all kinds of things that are really amazing um, that did not make it into the movie. And then the movie added a bunch of stuff that was not in the book but was really cool as a movie. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, um, this is the 70s. Like, this is before CGI and all of that. So yeah. So they were able to do some really 
cool things with the changes too well and even just you know jack nicholson's character you know just seeing him like fall into insanity you know and like um, staring out of a window but you know what's happening yeah, like, you just oh. can see all the voices in his head and all the you know um you know so it just you know i think anytime you have a cast you know that includes people like jack nicholson it's gonna be phenomenal yeah um so you know the book and the movie are very different but both are great in their own separate ways um and then obviously um you know um stephen king was not happy with all the changes to his book into oh. the kubrick uh, version um so he decided to do his own version in like a made for tv movie yeah. Um, so in the Kubrick version, the um, Overlook Hotel is not filmed at the Stanley Hotel. Um, but when Stephen King redid it for the made-for-TV movie, um, he did all the filming at the Stanley Hotel, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. So I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, it's got, like, Rebecca de Mornay and um, a young Rebecca de Mornay. Yes, very um, young. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, so it's definitely more true to the actual book, and it is cool to see it in the Stanley Hotel. Yeah. Um, because that's where it was, the inspiration came from. Well, and it's cool to see how Steve, I guess, perceived certain things, like, I think he, you know, had very certain images of how things were going to go. And yeah. he captured that in the filming. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, I, lo I love both versions in their own right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I will say that um, the Stanley Hotel, you know, even though Stephen King didn't like Kubrick's version, it did bring the hotel back from the dead, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Um, and so they have planted a hedge maze uh -huh. uh, which we wandered through it is nowhere near as grand as the one in the movie they're not allowed to let it grow bef beyond five feet i think Isn't yeah that the rule so it's kind of short it's a little short it's a little short um and it's definitely not as grand just in terms of the size i mean i think it took us like maybe six or seven minutes to walk through the whole yeah. thing um but it, i think that's a cool you know just a little thing that they added to the hotel because the book and movie made them famous. Well, and actually, if you were to turn on the TVs, which we didn't, but if you were to turn on the TVs, staying at the Stanley, The Shining, both versions is on 24 hours. Yeah, so you can watch either version that you want <laughs> at any time of the day. Cool. Yeah, at the Stanley Hotel. Um, and then I did want to um, just talk about another movie that was filmed there um, and another actor who was in, impacted by room 217 i cannot wait okay and i there's not much to say about this because this actor did not feel like sharing much but i want to buy him a drink i know i really want to talk to him about this um but the movie is a very different vibe from the shining the movie was dumb and dumber <laughs> and the actor was the fantastic jim carrey so Jim Carrey paid the extra money to stay in the haunted room 217. Yep. Um, and, you know, and this was like, I think it was towards the end of filming because they had, I mean, you know, most of the filming is not done at the Stanley Hotel. It's only at the end of the movie. Um, for anybody that sees the, you know, has seen the movie, it's like he's bringing her the briefcase or suitcase or whatever. It's like the car It's supposed to be an Aspen or something. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, they were near the, the end of the filming, um, but Jim Carrey decided to stay the night in room 217. And Jim Carrey is famously a huge Stephen King fan. Yes. So. So he was very excited about this stay. Um, but in the middle of the night, um, he came down and he demanded that he be moved to another room. He was really freaked out. He was feeling very unsafe. Um, and when they... No, he left the hotel. Well, but when they told him they were fully booked, he left the hotel. Yeah. 
Now, the deal is he has never spoken publicly about what happened in the room, but um, he did, the only thing that he's on record as saying was it was strange and spooky. I felt spirits linger in the walls of this legendary hotel. So that is all he has said, but he wanted to stop filming completely. He refused to go back into the hotel to finish filming. He tried to get them to move location. Yeah. He did not want any of his coworkers or co-stars to go into the hotel because he was feeling so unsafe. Yeah. So whatever happened was bad. Must have been really powerful because I don't think any actor would get so freaked out that they don't want anybody to go back in. Yeah. Now obviously the you know directors and everybody were like, no, we're gonna finish filming. I don't know what you're talking about. We're gonna finish filming. <laughs> right. Um and so they went on as normal, but he never set foot back in the hotel. So all of the rest of his scenes were filmed outside of the hotel mm-hmm. um, or in different locations. Um and so well, and I was going to say, our tour guide at the Stanley, she actually said she remembers as a kid, like, instead of, like, going inside between takes, he would just stand and talk to the fans and, like, be, like, his goofy self, you know, doing his funny voices and stuff, because he refused to go back in the hotel. Yeah. Like, it was, like, he would rather, like, just be exhausted and outside all day (laughs) than have to go in, which is crazy. Yeah. I want to know what happened. Yeah, I really really wish he would come out on record about what happened, but... Maybe he'll write a memoir. Everyone's writing a memoir these days, (laughs) right? Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically the history and the story of the Stanley Hotel, Um, but as a birthday gift to my beautiful daughter, Alana, (laughs) um, I did book a weekend at the Stanley Hotel. Um, Unfortunately, room 217 was already booked for the weekend that we were able to go. Um, but we did stay on the fourth floor. I was in 403, which the Stanley's kind of weird because 428 is actually on one end of the hall and we were basically on the same end of the hall, but the 401 to 403 are kind of like in the same area. Yeah. So So I wanted to leave a little bit of space for what you and Amira felt in the hotel and then we could talk about the ghost tour. We could talk about, um, they had a really cool illusionist that we could talk about. I was going to say the illusionist. So why don't you talk about you and Amira's experience being in the room and wandering the hotel at night? Yeah. So, um, Actually, us staying in the Stanley was a surprise. Um, My mom just was like, hey, take the day off of work on Friday. We're leaving Thursday after work. I had no idea where we were going. Um, I'm a fan of a road trip. (laughs) We are all fans of road trips. I think COVID kind of solidified that for our beautiful Martinez and family. Um, But, you know, we were driving and driving and driving. And there's this point in the road where you could either turn to Denver or Estes Park. And she turned toward Estes Park, and I screamed. (laughs) (laughs) So that she knew, like, there was no hiding where we were going. Um, Those of you, obviously, I guess you are all new in my, you know, world. But um, I am a huge Stephen King nerd. I think I get it from my grandpa and my mom, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandpa has read... I want to say every Stephen King book, probably. Yeah. Well, and he even has the ones. He has the Bachman books. Yeah. <laughs> which, if people don't know, Stephen King wrote under a pseudonym for a few books to see if they would still sell. And my grandpa owns the original pressings of those books. Yeah. So, my grandpa's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, we we grew up reading Stephen King. I remember I didn't read a ton of them when I was in high school. I wasn't totally in the spooky thing. And then because of some really wonderful people in my life I was like no I need to read The Shining and It and all of that and when I was an RA I would read the books on duty that was like my (laughs) self-care um so 
me and Amira, you know, we were on the fourth floor, and I was just like, I know we can't go into 17, but, like, I want to, like, take pictures in front of it. So we did about... I don't know, like 2 a.m. photo shoot, probably in front of 217. We ran around the hotel. We downloaded the um, iOvilus app, which if people know what ghost hunting instruments are, the Ovilus 3000 is like the most popular. It like will type out words. So we downloaded the Ovilus and we're just walking around the hotel. Obviously, I don't think the app is as great as the actual device, <laughs> but um you know, we walked around with the app. We're trying to see if we got anything kind of intelligent. We met other people who were ghost hunting. They had spirit boxes and things, and that was cool. Um, they have a whiskey bar downstairs that looks exactly like the bar in the movie with the big mirrors and the um, everything like that. So we went down there. Um, obviously did the hedge maze. Um, me and Amira. So... We did all of this. We walked everywhere. We walked all over the hotel, and it was about 3 a.m., and we were like, we're tired. <laughs> and so we went back to our room, and we fired up the Ovilus while we were, you know, brushing teeth, getting jammies on, all those things. And we started getting interesting requests on the Ovilus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got knit and remove. And my sibling, Amira, was wearing a sweater mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it you know it was cold it was like 45 to 50 degrees it wasn't hot it was still May it was May but like May in the Rockies is cold um yeah there was still snow on the ground in the in the mountain park yeah yeah, yeah. and so you know it was it was chilly and Amira was wearing the sweater and I was like knit the only thing that's knit in this entire room is your sweater everything else is you know cotton or whatever so that was weird obviously the remove so we think maybe like the cowboy was talking, maybe, but mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, our tour guide did say there were some not-so-great men that lurked on the premises, so um, not necessarily names, but that was a thing. Um, and then we, you know, we continued the Ovilus, but everything else was just kind of random, and I don't know if that was, you know, feedback from other people staying in the hotel or you know whatever but that was like the only sort of moment and it 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 like repeated it said it like three or four times throughout like the time the app was open in our room um and then did you guys meet the people that were staying in 217 so we did so the next morning for breakfast we were coming down to meet you and and the kiddo and um we were in the elevator and this guy was like we stayed in 428 last night. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I, did you experience? He was like, no, I slept like a baby. And he's like, but tonight we're staying in 217. And I was like, can I go in your room? <laughs> Unfortunately, he said no. But, um, you know, he was a really nice older gentleman. He also did the same thing, like walking around at 2 a.m. trying to find something. Yeah. And, um, it didn't seem like he heard or saw anything, but... Um, really cool we were just kind of talking about like our nerdiness about Stephen King and all of that so yeah yeah it was really cool yeah and then on the ghost tour you know they took us around um like lots of different areas of the property so we did get to go in the concert hall and Mm -hmm. um you know some other areas and um and then she was talking about all the children that were there um, and she was saying that there's uh, one particular little girl. I can't remember the name. Lucy. Lucy. But um, she wasn't one of those in the attic. Okay. Lucy was a ghost who very sadly most likely froze to death in the yeah. Stanley. 
Yeah. Um, but it was like in the 70s. It wasn't as far back as. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people when they feel Lucy's presence, I mean, I know with most ghosts, they say you feel cold or whatever. But with Lucy, people say like it's really freezing cold. Um, but that because she's a child, she tends to attach to other children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my youngest daughter, you know, as we were wandering yeah. the property, it felt like one leg felt very cold. And um, it was freaking her out a little bit. I think um, she was like 12 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then the tour guide was like, yeah, that's probably Lucy holding on to you. because." Well, and that was right after the lollipop yeah, exercise. Yeah, we, we did a lollipop exercise where everybody held out a lollipop to see if it um, got moved or taken. Um, and nothing happened when we were in that room. Mm-hmm. But after we left that room and we left that building, um, out, uh, my child started feeling all of that um, energy. Yeah. And so, yeah, the tour guide felt like that might be Lucy. And then um, when we were getting back to the hotel at the end of the tour, we were like, okay, you know, tell Lucy it's time for bed and you've got to go now. Um, and then, you know, we did that. And after a few minutes, you know, the child didn't feel that anymore, that energy. Yeah, and you left the lollipop somewhere, right? Yeah, we, we put the lollipop in the planter because <laughs> we were outside. We were like, oh, we'll just leave it out here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there is that kind of stuff. And then um, – they had like a really amazing illusionist, and um, I'm gonna look up his name. He was on America's Got Talent. Yeah, but I, you know, I I enjoy this kind of stuff, and so I've seen a lot of illusionists in my life, and his show was fantastic. Um, it was a really small. I don't know. Maybe there was 50 people in the room. Well, and this was also 2021. Yeah. So it was very still very. You know, you had to wear a mask anywhere you went in the hotel. Yeah. You had to. You know. You didn't have to be vaccinated, but it was, like, very yeah. COVID-conscious. Yeah, everything so, was. you know, everything, you know, it was um, not a lot of people in the room for the show. Um, His name is Aiden Sinclair. Yeah. I apologize that I didn't have that ready to go. Yeah. But, yes. Um, but anyways, but that show, you know, is fantastic. So, you know, he had some tarot cards uh, mm-hmm. from a person who read tarot cards, like, you know, way back in the day. Um, he had created some of his own tarot cards. Yeah. Um, but he did a lot of really cool, uh, you know, I don't know if they're illusions or if it's magic or if it's spirits <laughs> or I don't know what it was, but it was all very convincing. Yeah. Um, so my recommendation is just if anybody actually goes to the Stanley, I really do think that, I think the spirited tour is worth it. And I think that that show is really worth seeing. Yeah. Um, it definitely left us with a lot of questions. Am I allowed to say what my experience was with the you show? You can say what your experience was with the show. I was going to say, I don't know if that's like a... Um, okay. So one of his earlier exercises was he needed like 10 people to volunteer. Um, and so I volunteered. I got picked. And he said, imagine a celebrity that is deceased that has passed away like further back than like the last five years he didn't want like newly you know transition spirits in the mix and um he was basically we had to walk past this table he had spread out a normal deck of cards you know the not tarot cards anything and we had to basically walk past the table without stopping and pick a card like whatever the first card we saw was but you just looked at it right we just you looked didn't, we you didn't, didn't pick up the card yeah. you just looked at it and shows your card in your head yeah it was like a whoop, yeah whoop. just a glance <laughs> um and so after that um we all had to go back to our seats and he basically was like i'm gonna call out your cards and he went bada bing bada boom bada boom 
he did call out my card. It was the Ten of Hearts, if anyone is curious. <laughs> and he, before he did that, he did ask, you know, what celebrity did you pick? I picked Jimi Hendrix. Um, I'm a huge classic rock nerd, you know. Um, something I didn't know, I guess, is that Jimmy was a former person who had stayed in yes, the Stanley. Yes, the Stanley, yes. And most, so most people actually picked former guests of the Stanley. Yeah. Um, it was kind of crazy. Like, I mean, you're talking former presidents, former celebrities of all sorts. Yeah, I think there was a Jerry Garcia in there. Like, Jerry Garcia, yeah. yeah. There was like, I mean, gosh, like FDR was yeah. one of them. Like, yeah. there were just random celebrities, but most of them were people who had stayed in the Stanley. And then, you know, you have that and he gets your card. And the idea with the activity was you were supposed to like, Imagine you're looking at that person. There was a chair on the stage and you're like looking at that person sitting in the chair and you're supposed to like basically like mentally like shoot what card you had into that person's head. Um, and I mean, I don't know how common the Ten of Hearts is in terms of a magic trick pick or anything like that, but it there was something But the there. fact that he knew Ten of Hearts and then connected that with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it felt like something was there. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I need to, like, go back in Jimi Hendrix lyrics and find something. But, yeah, no, it was just a very interesting experience for me. Um, well, and the other cool one was uh, he gave out objects in these little bags. And so nobody else could see what the object was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one person's object was, like, a little kitty cat yeah it was like a ceramic cat like it was nothing um and so uh he brought you know that person up on the stage and he was like tuning into her as if he was tuning into a radio but it was before she opened the bag she didn't open the bag so she didn't know what was in her bag um and then he was like acting like her brain is a radio and like tuning in and then he asked what song comes to mind and um, and she started singing Pussycat, Pussycat, you know, whatever. Um, or what, how does that, I don't know how that song goes. I don't know how that song um, goes. But, but anyways, yeah. and so then he told her to open the bag, and it was it was a cat. Yeah. And so there were just things like that that were really fun. And again, illusions, magic, I don't know, but it was yeah. very entertaining. Well, and like we said, it was such a small audience because it was COVID. I really do, it might have only been like 50 people. Yeah, I think it was maybe 50. And I think he used maybe t- like... 60% of the audience. Yeah. Like, he used most of the people in the audience. And I'm not saying that, like, there weren't plants or there weren't anything, but the fact that he got so many things right yeah. is really interesting. He got everything right. And yeah. he, I really liked him because, like, I feel like some illusionists are like, oh, it's magic, da, da, da. And he was like, no, I'm just reading energy. Like, I'm reading yeah. the energy of this place that has a lot of history, and I'm reading the energy of this room, and I'm reading the energy of these objects. Like, yeah. When he did the tarot stuff where he had everybody completely right. Like, I mean, one man even cried. There were multiple people crying on stage. And then, like, he got a name right and this girl just lost her shit. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, it was really good. So if you have time, you know, we highly recommend. And then you can go to Rocky Mountain National Park, which is beautiful. Yeah, and actually the room where that uh, illusionist show was was the room where John Muir and... uh, not FDR, Teddy Roosevelt drew out the, like, boundaries of Rocky Mountain National Park. So, again, yeah. huge well, I think history. that's when they developed the National Park system, right? Yeah, that was, like... That was, yeah, that was all thought up and, and created in the Stanley Hotel. So, yeah, there's a lot of historical things that were there, too. I mean, so many famous people yeah. stayed there, presidents and everything. So, yeah, um, yeah there was a lot of history there. Um, but, yeah. But I wanted to share, um, you know, the history because it is one of my favorite authors and one of my favorite books. 
um, that was inspired by their stay there. And um, yeah, the spooky stuff is just really cool and fun, and the history is really cool and fun. Um, so if you have not read The Shining, girl, you got to read The Shining. Or at um, least watch the yeah, movie, but yeah. like watch the miniseries and the movie. Don't just watch the movie. And obviously the movie is better than the miniseries. I'm not going to lie, but the miniseries is closer to the book. <laughs> but if you've seen Doctor Sleep, certain things in Doctor Sleep make more sense if you read the things or watch the miniseries. Yeah. So I'm just I agree with that, giving 100%. you some, some things to think about. Yeah, so anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed our love for Stephen King, the Stanley Hotel, and all spooky things. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, Alana, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. All right, we'll see you later, y'all. Bye, friends.